0: Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. I've got a new term I'm working in and someone made a tweet today and I've gotten to the point where I'm totally bought in on the new term and how it plays in Contemporary MLB baseball. If you go back in time far enough, way, 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 way back in the day, say 1974, I'm just pulling that year. You you can go back further than that, and it applies even more. You can go a little bit shy of that, and it still largely applies, though possibly not quite as much. But you go back to 1974, 1975, in that range. Teams would have their 25-man roster. Yes, it was 25 back then. They wouldn't really make a whole lot of changes over the season. They'd do the run-up before the season started in spring training, and they'd decide on their 25 guys as basically the guys they'd have for the season. They might now or then, you know, call up this guy from the minor league, send down that guy, trade this guy away. Somebody get injured, they'd have to call up a replacement then. But then once the player would get healthy again, they generally send the other guy back down. And pitchers weren't um, toggled on and off. The, ten, uh, the injured list, nearly as much then. Pitchers were, you, sorry, you have to pitch. You have to pitch. We need you to pitch. But my arms a little bit are, well, we need you to pitch. That was the mindset back then. Teams didn't really have that much depth, offensively or defensively, in the organization generally. The Dodgers did. Number of teams did, but usually it was more along the lines of these are your twenty-five guys, and you'd go through a season with I don't know eleven. No, you'd go through a season with about fifteen or sixteen pitchers for the entire year. Fifteen or sixteen pitchers for the entire year. You'd have ten on the roster. Then you'd have a couple guys that, you know, the guy gets injured, you call up somebody. Late in the season, you call up somebody. But most of the time, the guys that are on the roster were the guys that were on the roster. It's totally different now. It's entirely different now. There is a constant expectation that someone in the minor leagues might be ready to replace or push for time, or something like that. Good teams, bad teams, deep teams, thin teams, any kind of team now. Sounds like a Armor Hot Dogs ad. Yeah, kids, skinny kids. Um, everybody uses their bench, their organizational depth now. And now everybody trades in at least one way, shape, or fashion before the deadline. Because teams are deeper than they used to be. They've become deeper than they used to be because they have to be deeper than they used to be. Organizations now is compared to even 20 years ago. Quite a few more transactions. You, You can have a team. Cubs have been there a couple times this year where like five days out of six, you're making a roster move. This guy getting put on the 10-day disabled list. This guy getting called up from AAA because last night the bullpen needed to go seven innings. Since this one specific reliever got used two innings in relief, he's not going to be able to go today. So he was either sent down or placed on the injured list. Someone else brought in, and now we have the full bullpen again. Teams use their pipeline depth quite a bit more than they used to. And it doesn't matter if the team has a lot of depth. It doesn't matter if the team is successful or not. The term I'm starting to use a lot more is the totem. The totem is the pecking order. Now, it's not a direct pecking order. As far as the fans saying, I like this guy, I like this guy, I hate this guy, I like this guy, I like this guy. That's too binary. Too binary. The totem is more along the lines of the guys up toward the top of the totem are the guys who you can expect to be around a while. Let's roll it back to 2017, 2018. The guys on the top of the Cubs totem you knew Chris Bryant was going to be around for a while. You knew Anthony Rizzo was going to be around a while, Wilson Contreras, Javier Baez. You knew the guys that were going to be around for a while. And then then you had the guys who, well, they're probably going to be around for a while. Probably. Then down at the bottom of the totem, you'd have the guys who, well, if there's going to be a roster move, if someone is going to have to get designated for assignment, going to be one of these guys. It's not based on fan popularity. If it were based on fan popularity, Jason Hayward probably would have been done away with a while ago. The totem is based on... I see two totems. Two totems. One of them Pitchers, one of them hitters. I really can't escape the concept that pitchers and hitters are evaluated differently, assessed differently. In my player ranking days, I would break it down even further and have one for relievers and one for starters. But I think for now, in the Cubs system, you have two totems. One of the hitters that are going to be around a while... Let's face it, looking at this Cubs roster, Wilson Contreras is at the top of the totem. Patrick Wisdom is at the top of the totem. Jason Hayward's at the top of the totem. I really think Ian Happ is still at the top of the totem. A lot of people have some problems with him. A lot of people have concerns with him, da-da-da, whatever. But the guys at the top of the totem are the guys who are not day-to-day sweating their existence. On the pitching side, I think Manny Ramirez is up toward the top of the totem. Have guys down toward the bottom of the totem. uh, Michael Rucker, Jake Jewell. If someone were to become available... It very well might be a pitcher for pitcher swap. It very well might be a hitter for hitter swap if the cubs decide for instance if the Cubs claim Kevin Padlow, they might be more prone to letting go of a hitter. After all, in effect in effect, though not in action, the Cubs called up Michael Hermesio and twenty-four hours later Janess Wee Vargas was designated for assignment. It wasn't a uh, player for player in that There, the Cubs needed um another pitcher at the time. Cubs went with uh jeez who even got it was, it was a pitcher who got, a, a pitch uh was it Kyle Ryan for Hermosillo? You guys are yelling at your phone. Uh And it was Adrian Sampson added to the 40-man roster when Fargus was designated. So it's not necessarily on the day of, but more of a trend. And the trend is what I'm trying to look for. When you put together your totem. When you put together your totem, this is a completely rhetorical question. When you're putting together your totem, who are the guys the three or four pitchers, the two or three hitters that you think are probably the most in danger of getting designated for assignment. Because really, somebody was talking about today on Twitter how much they would like, there's Yankees fans, Um, how much they would like to see the Yankees-Tampa series at the end of the season be a situation where the Yankees and Tampa are tied at the end of the season, and they have three games playing for the division title. I said I'd love it to happen. I'd love it to happen because as long as teams play games that matter, as long as teams play games that actually matter, they need to win this specific game or else it negatively impacts their postseason chances, their chances in the postseason, if not their chances of making it to the postseason. You get down to the best of three between those two teams, any two teams. It's going to be fascinating, and teams are going to look at those games more importantly. It's going to be that much more important for them to have their full squad ready to go full squad, full complement of players. I said I'd love it. My team is horrible. My team is doing horribly this year, the Cubs. And if the Yankees and the Rays actually have to play through 162 games, if the Yankees and the Rays have to play through 162 games, run through the tape at the end of the year, the Yankees and the Rays are going to have decisions to make. Because teams aren't keeping pitchers healthy. Teams aren't keeping pitchers healthy for whatever reason. And the Cubs are greatly benefited from an organizational standpoint. The lower they are on the record side, the higher up they are on the waiver wire pickup list. And right now, that's that's a large part of the season. Right now, that's a large part of the season. The other team just designated this guy for assignment should the Cubs place a waiver claim. And that's when you look at the totem. You look at the guy at the bottom of the totem. The guy at the bottom of the totem is the question. It's not a case of, I'm looking dismissively at the guy at the bottom of the totem the two weakest pitchers, the two weakest hitters, whoever they would happen to be at the time. It's not that I'm looking at them dismissively. It's not that I'm looking at players from other organizations with (coughs) wild-eyed optimism that they will be fantastica for the next umpteen years. The goal... In the situation the Cubs are in right now, right now, a decent part of the season is assessing who's available, who on the other team is available, who on the other team is now, has now been designated for assignment. Kevin Padlow, what's the, um, didn't write down the other guy's name, the pitcher, was it Martin? Uh, the guy who pitched four innings of shutout ball against Baltimore in a blowout, Um, and then got designated for assignment. Assessing the Cubs totem, assessing the guys at the bottom of the totem, what are the realistic expectations that this guy could be of value on into 2022 and beyond? 2022, 2023, 2024 this guy is basically showing not his number not his uh, earned run average not his whip not his innings to you know he hits the innings pitch does this guy look like he is a reasonable long-term gamble the guy at the bottom of the totem does he look like a reasonable gamble the hitter at the bottom of the bottom of the totem, Janesui Fargus, was that. Does this guy look like a realistic, long-term, legitimate keep? If yes, you respond one way. If no, you respond another way. Assessing players at the bottom of the totem is a very important part of... The executive mindset, and since this, even though I don't talk about it as much, remains a deep dive podcast. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably ought to be trying to assess who is the guy at the bottom of the totem. Again, rhetorical question. Do the homework, think it out, figure it out yourself, but don't advertise it. Know who in your mind, this guy, probably, yeah. Frank Schwindel. I'm guessing we're buying on him for now. I'm guessing about three weeks ago, Frank Schwindel, when he was initially acquired, was way at the bottom of the totem. Now, given a chance to play, oh my goodness, this guy's actually usable. You can actually keep playing this guy. If he keeps having an extra base hit every game, he might be okay once, uh, eventually. You assess players. It's not a Something happened on one specific day and he jumped up seven spots in the totem, necessarily. Though it could be that. Assess the Cubs' totem. And have a way to assess the opposing team's totems as well. If you can obtain quality from another organization... As the Cubs may have done when they claimed Frank Schwindel on waivers. You get quality for very cheap. Quality for very cheap, and you get to keep it for as long as you want it. When the Yankees and the Rays continue to fight for postseason position, I hope it goes to the buzzer. I don't really have a particular horse in the race anymore. I used to be more about well here's the, the cubs are my team, but then beyond that there's uh this team there's a, that team, don't mind the giants. I'm really don't like these guys, but i'm I'm not so much that anymore. I'm trying to assess what are the things that will help the cubs get better on into the future what What are those things? One of them is having teams play through the tape. Run through the tape, run through the tape. You've watched <laughs> back in the day coming home from the park. Um, my parents lived, I don't know, six or eight blocks from a park. Six or let let's say six or eight. And, uh, my nieces, who are now both fully grown and absolutely wonderful to be around. When it's was time to head home, back to the house from the park, they were upset generally because they wanted to stay at the park all day. But we'd take the walk back home and we'd get to a certain point and I would start to run down the sidewalk toward the house. And as as I'd get to a certain point, I'd raise my hands in victory saying, Yay! I was the first one to get back to the house. And I'd slow down. And my nieces would run and catch and pass me. I deliberately did not run through the totem I encourage them to do so. They've done pretty well at it. Um I hope the competing teams, the Dodgers are the the Dodgers and the Giants. Heck the wildcard teams in the National League. Padres. I haven't checked to see what they've done with Jake Arietta yet today, if they've done anything, but I want to see what decisions are made. I want to see teams that are competing have hard, hard decisions to make before the season ends. Do we want to keep this guy or do we want to keep this guy? Who's at the bottom of our totem, says the competing team. Because when it gets to that point where you have a number of games remaining, And you have to make that hard decision. Do we activate this player who can possibly help us reach the playoffs? Sometimes the answer will be yes. You activate the guy who's going to help the team make the playoffs. Now who do you designate for assignment? Who do you let go? Who is at the bottom of your totem? And as they have to make tough decisions, the Cubs can possibly benefit. Knowing the Cubs' totem in your own mind helps prepare you for what the Cubs ought to do next. The Cubs ought to do next things that will help them. On into 2022, 2023, and 2024. It's not that this year is over. It's that the future is more important than the present when the roster is being assessed. Know the bottom of the totem. Know the Cubs' bottom of the totem. Know who the players that you would designate for assignment are. So when someone else becomes available, you are assessing effectively apples to apples, or at least apples to pears. Is this guy a better keep than that guy over there? If so, why? The decisions the Cubs make, for a lot of people, are incidental. For a lot of people, it ends up being, I've never heard of this guy. Why are the Cubs signing him? I've never heard of this guy before. Why are the Cubs letting go of a guy who I am familiar with? The totem, minding the totem, assessing the totem, assessing the Cubs' totem to the other team's totem, It's not for everyone, but you're here. This is not a podcast that necessarily resonates with the ordinary Cubs fan. This is a deep dive podcast. It is, it probably always will be, because if there's not a little bit of deep dive to it, I'm probably not doing a podcast. Get better at assessing which players the Cubs might be dismissing and why you should assess that player over or beneath players that other teams designate for assignment, place on waivers, and possibly make available to the Cubs. Do you place a waiver claim when someone gets designated? Right about now, that's the most important deep dive question going. Thanks for stopping by. Have a nice day. Be safe and be nice to others.